Seth, you are a master community builder, both online and offline. And you've got these two questions that if anyone who's starting a school community is really able to wrap their head around, could just unlock everything for them. So what are those two questions and why are they so important? Yeah, well, design thinking is super simple, but it sounds complicated. Whatever you do that interacts with any other human has only two questions. Who's it for and what's it for? Because it can't be for everyone. There's nothing for everyone. Who exactly are you seeking to serve, to change, to influence, to make a difference for? And what is the change you seek to make? And acknowledging that that is the purpose of the work is really challenging because then you're on the hook. Because if you say, I made it for Bob and Bob doesn't like it, you didn't do a good job. If you said, I made it for Bob and the goal is to do this and it doesn't do that, you didn't do a good job. But that seems like a great opportunity to me to be able to learn what a not great job is and be able to do it better. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest mistakes that people who just get started on school make is that they try to reach too many people. It's like way too broad instead of having the courage to actually commit to serving a particular person and experiencing the results and the impact that comes with that. Well, the thing that holds most people back is this fear of making the audience we're serving as small as possible. Not as big as possible, because that's what we see in the media. You want to you know, get a TikTok that gets seen by 60 million people. You want to make it as small as you can get by with, because that is achievable, but that also opens the door to be on the hook. So, you know, the glasses that I'm wearing right now aren't for everyone. And that's exactly why they're for me, because they're for someone. And figuring out the smallest, most particular group of people that you can reach out to and say, here, I made this. We can practice that because you only need five to get started. Who are the five people that if they read your poem would say, this poem made a difference. I would miss it if you stopped doing this. If there aren't five people, then you got to come up with a better shtick. A thousand true fans, as Kevin Kelly has written, is a lot. And even people who think they have a thousand true fans don't. Because a true fan is willing to drive across the country to support you, is willing to subscribe to your new service without knowing what it is. And if, we, if you can get 10 of those, that's huge. Because to get 10 of those, you got to find a thousand people who trust you and 10,000 people who consume your work. Great. Go start with that. You have a great book called Tribes. And one of my favorite phrases, and I've used this, I feel like I owe you hundreds of thousands of dollars for the amount of things I've plagiarized with clients and customers over the years. I owe you for that. If the ideas spread, <laughs> I win. Yes. You've got this lovely phrase called shunning the non-believers. That's courageous. And I love that. Tell us a bit more. Well, you know, I haven't read a review on Amazon of any of my work for the last dozen years. And the reason is because I've never met an author who said, I read all my one-star reviews and now I'm a better writer. That's not going to happen. What a one-star review tells you is something about the reader. Right? If all the reviews are one-star reviews, that's different. But if you've got five-star reviews on anything you make and you see a one-star review, all that one-star review says is, this wasn't for me. Okay, great. I got it. It wasn't for you. Thanks for letting me know. But I don't need to read why it wasn't for you because you're a non-believer. You don't get the joke. And I'm not saying we 
don't respect and admire the people who aren't in our audience. What I'm saying is your work has to be for someone. And if you can put yourself on the hook to actually make something worthwhile for them, then you stop hustling people and you stop hassling people because the hustle always comes from people who are making average stuff for average people and are running out of average people to make it for. Yeah, I remember over COVID, you launched this thing called Kimbo Coworking Space. Yeah. And it was the first online community I remember being a part of. And it was at such a crazy moment in history. And everyone was kind of coming together like, what the heck's going on? How are we going to pivot? And there's just this, I've never experienced energy like it that wasn't in person. Yeah. What do you think it takes to build a successful online community in your experience? Uh, the incentives are the first step. You need to be incented to uh, be selective about who's there and how they behave. You need to have an incentive to kick people out. You need to be able to say any community online or off is the same, which is the people you let into your pub will determine who's going to come to your pub next and what's it like around here. So that's been the biggest advantage that I've had in building communities is I've never had an advertiser. Because if you have an advertiser... They want you to have as many people as possible and they want you to interrupt them as often as possible and get them to click as often as possible, right? And I want to do all the opposite of those things. And so incentives is the first step. And then the second step is convenience isn't the point. The point is change and connection. You have this amazing program called the Alt MBA. And when I first came across it, you know, maybe three years in my business journey, I was like, what a load of nonsense. It's like, how can you possibly, <laughs> how can you possibly like transform as a person by being part of an online thing? And I was just like, well, I love his books, but this thing here, I don't get it. How do you bring about results and change in that intense type online community environment? Okay. So I don't own or run or manage the Alt MBA anymore. Congratulations. It's a, it's a uh, B Corp in the public interest that is run by people who uh, I used to work with. And I'm proud of it every day, but I'm not here to pitch it because it's not mine. Um, the Alt MBA has changed the lives of more than 5,000 people. It, it works in an extraordinary way. And this is some, I went to Stanford Business School for two years, so I understand the alternatives. Business School is about getting a piece of paper accreditation. It is no longer about learning the stuff because the stuff is all online for free that in you know, a few weeks of very focused study, you could learn everything they teach you in, about the stuff in two years of business school. That's not what business school does. Business school is this cultural indoctrination into what it's like to be an, that kind of leader. And they waste an enormous amount of time. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, so the idea of the Alt-MBA was, I said, there are all these new tools built. If I didn't care about accreditation, if I didn't care about uh, maximizing the things that typical universities care about, what would I build and how would I make it work in this form? And so the idea of being in a cohort of five people and 12 people and 100 people and being on the hook and shipping work every day for 30 days and getting direct feedback and giving direct feedback and having this safe place where you can adopt a new persona and do it with enrollment on purpose with high stakes for 30 days and then done, it turns out people 
take off a lot of armor when they get there. And if you can you add direct coaching to it, what I was able to do was build a thing that um, restructured a lot of instincts that people had. So real MBAs change lives because for the rest of your life, you have a badge that other people recognize. The alt MBA changes lives because you see somebody different in the mirror when you're done. And I have to say, out of all the things that I've been able to learn from your work over the years, developing that practice of constantly shipping work, I think has been the most powerful thing. So why are we afraid to ship work? And why is it powerful to ship something every day? Well, as my friend Zig used to say, uh, it's a little like showering, which is doing it every day is a fine idea, right? You don't do it <laughs> once and get it over with. Uh, why is it so difficult? For 15,000 years, as we evolved as a human species, we were in groups and tribes and cadres of up to 150 people. And if you offended the chief, if you spoke up too much, if you were annoying, you were left out of the circle. And if you were left out of the circle, you're going to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. And so deep down, built into our culture is this idea that you need to chill and do what you're told. And it's interesting because the internet gave everyone a microphone and the people who use it the most are annoying trolls. They're people who find pleasure in hurting other people. And that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the generative network effect that comes when a good-hearted soul seeks to make somebody else's life better. And why wouldn't we do that every day? We eat lunch every day. And once you do it every day, then it becomes a habit. Once it becomes a habit, it becomes who you are. I think as well, it's wrapped up in this narrative that, oh, as soon as I publish my thing, like millions of people are going to see it. Whereas exactly. the reality is, it's like, I'm sorry, man, but like, you might not know this, but the biggest threat you're going to face is invisibility. <laughs> there are plenty of people in my life who I'm very close with who don't read my work. It's like, it's out there, but maybe they read it. Maybe, you know, it doesn't matter. Just start. And if you need to, this is a really good hack. Do it under another name. Make a podcast. It's pod no one can see you on a podcast. Make a podcast and don't put your real name on it. Figure out how to have a blog without somebody else, with somebody else's name on it. Just be in the world. And the worst thing that will happen is you walk away from it. Seth, thank you so much for your time. Genuinely, the first business-related piece of content I ever consumed was the startup school. I don't even know when that was recorded or who recorded that. I have the, the phrase earwolf in my head because they have yes. some sort of jingle in the middle of it. Yeah. But genuinely, thank you so much for how you've shown up and for um, the incredible work and the generous work that you've, you've created for all of us and for your time today. Appreciate well, it. Well, thank you. Keep making a ruckus. Belfast needs you and so do the rest of us. <laughs>